This episode is sponsored by Enriched Superfoods. Enriched is my go-to store for the most powerful, most pure superfoods on the plain et. They've got all the good stuff from maca to matcha, from shilajit to powdered greens. But you know what I love the most? I love the mushrooms. Now I know what most of you are thinking, get on with the show, right? But I know what else you're thinking. You're thinking, how can I get better at strangling people? Us jiu-jitsu guys, we're all the same. We want to be better, we want to be badder. Well, being better requires two things, learning more stuff and being able to execute more stuff. And Enriched has got you covered with what I'm calling the white basement jiu-jitsu super stack. First is lion's mane mushroom to supercharge memory, focus and clarity and even better, give a neurotrophic boost literally helping you grow new jiu-jitsu brain cells. Now, a jiu-jitsu super brain is all well and good, but if you can't execute on the mat, then it don't mean jack. That's why the second half of the super stack is the legendary Cordyceps CS4 mushroom extract, scientifically proven to offer heroic levels of stamina and energy, as well as improved lung function, actually helping you breathe better while you stop other people from breathing at all. Go to enriched.co, that's E-N-R-I-C-H-D.co, and use the promo code WhiteBasementPod for a 10% discount across the whole site. Want to get more taps in more rounds and more respect from more people? Then get super stacked. Go to enriched.co and use the promo code WhiteBasementPod. And luckily, my cousin moved out there years and years and years ago. He's from Canada. He married a Japanese girl. Her dad did judo. And my cousin speaks Japanese. So that was my introduction letter to go and turn up at this dojo. He made the arrangements. So I turned up. They didn't have foreigners there at all. I turned up and there's a, a room full of these guys. And they're all, they're all like proper athletes. I turned up. I've been introduced. My cousin introduced me. No one spoke English, not a word. My cousin introduced me. This is Graham. He's from England. He's, he's one of the little bits and bobs over here. And uh, Silence. So we're training, and it was just a, a slaughter fest. And I was like, the the white guys turned up, the guy Jean, the foreigners turned up, and they were going out the front, and the level was so high, it was just uh, unbelievable. I thought Neil Adams at his prime in training, and he was amazingly good, amazingly good, standing and on the ground. He was just the best. They, 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 I've, I've trained with in the UK and Europe. Went out there, and everyone was just a mini Neil Adams. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the White Basement Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at White Basement Pod. New episode every Tuesday. Instagram's the best place to uh, keep up to date with what we're doing. Today I'm joined by Graham Welsh, head coach at Welling Garden City Judo Club for over 30 years. Graham holds a third degree judo black belt as well as a Brazilian jiu jitsu black belt from Nick Brooks multiple times as a judo medalist and a champion at national level graham brings a force and intensity to the mats that is palpable as well as a deep well of experience graham welcome to the podcast lovely thanks for having me so uh yeah you uh your your style of training is intense Um, yeah yeah I mean, I, I 
had no idea who you were until I think I don't know if I was already coming on a Wednesday or you were already coming and I started coming but I kind of uh the first time I got gripped or I tried to to move you I was like okay this is a different this is a different animal here yeah yeah a lot of people say that what I do is not standard BJJ kind of style yeah um I've saw the mogul made what I've done in the judo and just brought it across and I still do what I do now. It's what I've always done on the judo mats. But I've tweaked it a lot more. I've learned to refine things and learned lots of things. Learned different gripping systems on the ground, different attacks, different styles, which has been interesting. Um, but the basis, what I do, is just quite basic sort of judo passes, judo pins, slowly get submission off the pressure. Yeah. You know, that kind of, it just, it's just a, it's a nice, easy roll through. Um, a lot of BJJ guys don't go so much for the pin and the pressure. They try and go for more of a spectacular submission. They keep chasing the submission. And I will sort of just take it, because I'm older now as well. I'm not going to do a spectacular guard passing. I just want to take my time and pass nice and easy at my leisure and try and tap when I want to. Yeah. Um, it's just a different way of doing it. It's the same game. It's just a different way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, it does, it does, uh, rolling with you does feel very different to everybody else. In, in, certainly in so far as your, um, kind of preferred cadence and like you say the pressure and that that kind of slow grind but also just in terms of the like mechanical intensity you know there's a lot of people that I'm, I'm i'm pretty light you know but there's a lot of people even if they're bigger than me if i if i just kind of get them at the right moment i can still get a sweep or yeah, i can yeah. get an escape or whatever but i kind of i kind of feel with you like once you have some sort of position that you're after or some sort of grips that you wanted to get like that's the end of the fight yeah you might have to wait three minutes but it's from then it's just well that's exactly of, i'll conserve my energy until i get the person where i want them and then go for it i want to try and win straight away mm. it's, it's slowly slowly catching monkey kind of thing you know what i mean it's uh i'll get the grips and then someone will have to make a mistake they'll open their guard up because they're getting pressured and that's a straight pass through you know rather than that instantly it's yeah. just a slower game so you've been doing judo for a, a long time. Well, I, I won't 11. ask you how old you are. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm 54 now. Um, I was 11 when I started. I started in what was that, 1981. And I originally went down with a mate of mine, done karate. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I went down to karate class with this guy. He's doing shotokan, traditional shotokan karate. He says, come down, come down, we'll have a go. And it bored me. It just bored me senseless. We're up and down the hall, just marching, shouting Japanese. I was, what are we doing? This is like... As a judo class afterwards. I stayed and watched this, thought, that is fun. It's just rolling around on the ground, playing games. You know, and I thought, wow, that, that's for me. I died, I've done it ever since, nonstop, ever since then. Same club. Kept, I, kept, I took over the club. Um, it was passed down to me, actually, in um, probably 93-ish, 94-ish. I took over as head coach there. I've run it ever since. So how old were you when you were the, became the head coach there? Quite young. Um, I would have been... Uh, I would have been about 23, 24-ish, round about that. I'd, I'd, I'd guess about 24-ish, I guess. So that is quite young to be running. Is it, is it, it's a decent-sized club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, when we used to be, we used to be in a sports hall in Wellingar City called the Gosling Sports Park, and it had a permanently matted combat room, <laughs> one of the first permanent dojos in the country. Um, there was the Budokai, which was a permanent dojo. Uh, there's us, there's one or two others dotted around, but they're rare. It's like hen's teeth. You know, no one had them. Everything was always mats laid out in scout huts or 
you know, it, it's all temporary stuff. We had a permanent dojo, and it's kind of ours to look after. Over the years, that got taken away by the powers that be that run the sports centre. They didn't want us having it. And it slowly got taken, the mats got taken up. We had to relay the mats. And eventually, we got, all got squeezed out of there. The building shut down. So we had to relocate to a place in Hatfield, in Rowhill Hall, where we are based now. Um, but we still call ourselves Wellington City, just for the sake of a name. We still call ourselves the same thing. So, yeah, I've always run it. It's always been like a non-profit thing. So the guy I ran it before, a chap called Jerry Webster run it. And he actually, he had open heart surgery quite young. Um, and he stopped doing stand-up. So he always constantly, he was an engineer as well. He was a, a precision engineer. He could make anything out of metal. But he loved the, um, the intricacies of making things or working things out mentally. He had that mechanical mind. So the groundwork game became his thing. So we used to do groundwork and we'd get in positions and looking at things, analysing it. And he had the kind of mind to think, yeah, no, the way out of this, no, move that there, move that. He, 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 it was a quite a deep analysis of the movements. It wasn't the same as BJJ by any means, but it was the, uh, it's like an early days BJJ, if you like. You know, it's ground level BJJ. Um, we didn't have the fancy guards, but we were doing it, but not, they didn't have a name, if you know what I mean. We were doing the movements, but there wasn't actually a name for it. So did you did you name stuff so that no, you could but, kind but, of... Well, you're called like stuck between the legs or one leg in, one leg out, but half... They had sort of silly names for it, but it was the same thing, you know, and uh, we started working on their movement, how to escape from their movement, how to get into them, how to maximise those movements. So we're doing it day in, day out, just standard. And then he sort of stepped back from the club and he asked me, do you want to take, take it over, basically? So I was like, okay, yeah, proud to. So I carried on running it. And we've been, we were busy, like, always busy. We used to have tons of guys on the mat. And back then, when, when I was a kid training... Properly, when I was like 16, I was going around different clubs around this area, and you could throw a stone and hit a club. You know, there's so many judo clubs, and they were good quality clubs as well. You go on a mat, there'd be 50 people there all wanting to train, and it was like this all the time. I mean, judo was one of the sort of early days martial arts was, that was available, right? It, yes, it was available, and it was cheap because it's all amateur. There's not really money involved. You pay a pound in the tin, and turn up and train. No one ever wanted to make money out of it, so it was always very amateur which is one of the problems Judo has now compared to BJJ's. It's purely amateur. Right. There's no money in it. They don't have... Well, there are one or two full-time clubs around the place, but most clubs now are dying off. They can't compete with a full-time matted area, proper facilities, a proper full-time table. The clubs are putting mats down to scout hut. They're just like, mm, we can't do that. We can't compete on that game at that level because people in Judo won't pay the money, the monthly fees, to come and train. It's still seen as that. People still say, oh, it's five quid for a class. It's 10 quid. Oh, okay, right, here we go. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I was just talking to Tom about uh, this morning before we were we started recording, about um, you can kind of get wedded a little bit to your way of doing things, and then you find that actually it's it's sort of leading you a little bit down a dead end. Sometimes you have to kind of change things around a bit and say, okay, you know, the, the world changes, right? Things are different now from 20 years ago, exactly. 10 years ago, 30 exactly years ago. Exactly that. That's exactly, that's exactly the conclusion I came to years ago, um, that I can't keep... I can see clubs closing all around me. And so some, why are the clubs closing? Why, why, why are they doing this? Why are they going to BJJ? Why are they going to MMA? Why are they, why are they disappearing? We're not getting the young lads through. And I think, oh, I'll do something different. So I started trying to train differently with the guys... We used to do like a, well, backtracking slightly. We used to go to the Budokai years ago on Saturday afternoons. It was a great session down there. And you'd have all the early BJJ, like Simon Hayes was down there, Dickie from Carlson's, all the original guys were doing it down there. 
Roger Grace was on the mat doing judo. You know, Ray Steve was running, running the sessions down there. All them people coming together. And it was the early days of like people getting ideas and forming things. I talked to Simon. It was impressed me with his like, he's very direct and he says what he thinks. He always had a bit of a vision for how he wanted, in his view, judo and BJJ to be. I thought, yeah, he's got something there. He's, he's onto something. Now I started doing Sunday morning classes um, in Wellington City. I was hired a squash court that was tied in. There's two squash knocked together, basically, into Thai boxing. The minor tours had it, which are based around here. They hired it out, and they had mat pad, mit, pads and mitts and things. So I was teaching a technical session on Saturday morning, Sunday morning. I was like, okay, tell you what, let's do half standing ground work. Let's do half of it. Let's put mitts on. So one guy has mitts, one doesn't. Right, the guy's got to hit you. I don't mean that hit in the face. It's just like it, it, it hit around the forehead just to demonstrate the fact that you've got to tie the guy's arms up. You've got to wrap him up. You've got to control the person or he's going to keep thumping you. And then we start to put some leg locks in as well. So a lot of the guys wouldn't use their legs properly when they're training. So right, if you flap your legs around, so put a leg lock on him. So you learn, soon learn to tie your guard around tight yeah. and hold on tight. And people are like, oh, that's not really judo. Well, it is. Like, just get on and do it. And you got on to do it. And their game improved massively. They learnt to tighten up, to eliminate gaps. They learnt to use their legs properly and keep them in close. I'm not a leg lock expert by any means, but they learnt to keep them in nice and tight and the game sort of rose quite rapidly by simple little tweaks. But modern judo, but well, they wouldn't do that. They'd be like, no, no, I can't do that. That's not in the rules. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's, there is often... I, I think jiu-jitsu actually is probably one of the few martial arts that doesn't suffer from that um rigid framework yeah because it's because it's a new art mm. right everything else is kind of like you're going against tr the tradition of hundreds of years or thousands of years of this is how it was taught you know i did uh, kung fu when i was younger i did i actually did a little bit of judo as a kid um but i did i did kung fu from i don't know like 17 18 till about 25 26 you know quite frequently um and it was very sort of rigid, like this is the way we teach and this is the way we address each other and this is how long the classes are and, you know, everything couldn't really change. Um, and, I, and I guess judo, quite quite sort of similar. Uh, yes, it's not so much. I mean, um, judo was very friendly. There's never any sort of, um, you don't really get big egos. Well, you don't really get sort of egocentric sort of people down there. It's not be quite friendly. Everyone's very, you know, you've walked into a club with a kit, you don't know the place. Everyone's all very friendly. Right. Come and train. But it's like BJJ. Yeah. Very, very friendly. They'll catch for a beer afterwards and, you know, you make good friends. There's never any sort of aggravation turning up somewhere. It's all very chilled out. But that's what I wanted my club to do is where people could just come to it. So we'd have to have, you, you, I mean, at a minute, we can have like, we'll have about 25 on the mat. Of which 25 don't turn up because some drop in, some drop out. You might get 18, you might get 21, 22. But who turns up, we'll have too many for the Met area now, at the minute, you know. Yeah, because we don't, I don't set strict rules for it. You don't have to be a member. I thought you know, if you take out the monthly debit, that's easier for me, just admin-wise. But people want to come every two months, drop in, that's fine, I don't, don't bother me. You but know. it is hard then to manage, like you say, your mat space and who's training at what level. Yeah, yeah. and, <laughs> and obviously, classes it, and yeah, and if you've got standing work going on, and very often I've had BJJ guys have been to other judo clubs and it was crap. Like, what waste of time? I'm not doing that again. He said, where'd you go? And they told me the name of whatever. Yeah, well, you, there's levels yes. of what you go to. And uh, and judo is bigger than BJJ. 
as in terms of people doing it in clubs, etc. at the moment. Still, might, it, it might change. I think it might swing the other way. So it's, a, it's rapidly, one's going up, one's going down, I think, to yeah. be honest. Um, but it's like football teams. You can say, I play football. Where'd you play for? Oh, it's a local pop team. And you go and watch them, it's dreadful. You know what I mean? Or you can go and watch the local, you know, you go see Man United or Arsenal down the road. And like, wow. Imagine being able to drop in and play with them. Yeah. You can go and see the first pub team and think, what a lot of crap this is. I'm going to go do something. I'm going to play badminton. This is dreadful. I'm going to play rugby. You go, you can play the Arsenal game, run, train with them guys. You're like, wow, I can't touch the ball. Yeah. There's a whole difference. And people drop in at the wrong level. Yeah. And very often the smaller clubs tend to be a bit more awkward about someone turning up with patches on their gear or funky gear and stuff and want to bump fists. And they're like, what are you doing? You've got bow. You know, and uh, oh, you've got bow to the mats. You've got bow to the sensei. You call me sensei. And all this sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's archaic. Yeah. But they don't welcome you in. Oh, by the way, these are the gripping rules. Very strict gripping rules. We expect to do this. Don't touch the legs, by the way. And uh, none of that weird leg lock stuff. Or anything, anything like that. No, please, none of that. Um, either, I don't do the. I don't bother any of that whatsoever. So the PJ guy turns up and train at my place, and I want to try and realise it's virtually it's like a brother and sister relationship, rugby union, rugby league kind of thing. It's a very similar sport, just divided slightly by the rules, which gives you a different. Uh, a different approach, tactics. Do Do you think though that you you all always had that kind of um, idea of making it less formal, and more inclusive? Or yeah, yeah, that yeah. Develop more. No, no. That was always it? my thing. Was always even when I started to go to the club, it was quite chilled out, kind of you know a friendly, chilled atmosphere. People to come and train, and you know they enjoy themselves. That's the main thing. As long as people leave a smile on their face, they've learned something. Yeah. Uh, that's a bonus. Yeah. Um, I've been to clubs which are very strict and it's like, when I was younger, they're very strict and it was like, oh, this is not enjoyable. Oh, this isn't, it's not, it's no way. Coaching to me and bringing someone, training someone, it's about, uh, it's like an arm around the shoulder, let's show you something. Try that. It's a gentle words, like dropping your ear, but try that, try that, try that. That works for most people. Some people, you've got to raise your voice a little bit because that's the way they, they soak information up. Yeah. You've got to be very direct with them. Be soon sussed. There's not many people. Some people you've got to raise your voice a bit and be quite direct with them. Other people you just talk to them gently. No, no what you're doing is wrong. Try this. Try that. Yeah. Have you tried this? Possibly. If you do that, that's going to cause you a problem down the line. But you explain it to them. They extrapolate what they want out of it, and yeah. uh, and that works. Yeah, I was talking to David Anuma. He was in the other week, mm. and he was saying that he's got in in his gym. He's put three whiteboards up. Um, so we'll also write on the whiteboard you know, what we're doing today, so we're going to do whatever, this God pour and this pass, mm, yeah. whatever. Because he was saying, you know, some people are um, auditory learners, you know, they'll hear something and they absorb it. Some people need to feel it to to understand it and some people need to see it. See yeah, it everyone learns differently, yeah. Yeah, so he said, you know, he tries to sort of cover those three bases. So whichever is easier for you to 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 use, you you kind of have that that thing available. I think that's I mean, I, th I guess that's one of the things that's that must be difficult about teaching because especially something like judo, jujitsu. I mean, maybe judo even more because it's so kinetic you know mm, in terms yeah, of the throwing yeah. you've got 25 people on the mat i mean if you if you're looking over there for one second you completely miss what these guys did they do it completely right or completely wrong or it's, yeah, it must yeah. be very hard to kind of monitor you have to get like a, a uh, yeah you, you get a knack of i try to teach i'll try and keep it simple i'm not 
done my coaching qualifications. I've done it growing up, so like 16 or something. I've got my club coach award. And I revalidate, every few years you go and revalidate it, you do a little training bits and pieces to keep you current. And, um, and when I coach, I try to, I show one or two techniques when I'm training, one or two sort of simple techniques, or gripping techniques or some advice, some tips. We drill it for a little bit, do some throwing, and then we basically have a bit of a spa. You know? And I normally have, we have too many on the mat to be on one, so we normally have like three or four out the front, then three stay out for like two or three minutes, keep changing them out there, they'd switch around somewhere at the front. So you keep people moving that way. Um, but I throw things which are big movements, as in, and I, I throw the hip throw. You demonstrate it, get them doing it. But off the hip throw, you can then do other techniques, which that's a pathway to opening other techniques. So you throw like major building blocks of techniques. And then once they've got the hang of that, you can you can move on. Some people don't get the hang of it, and they're still at stage one. So they stay at stage one. Those that can do it, like, try putting your leg out a little bit here. And now you're doing a sweeping hip throw. Now you're... You're looking at your mind in the thigh. You're moving towards more things, but just a basic hip throw concept, as an example. You're trying to a big building block and then work off of it a little bit. Some people get it, some don't. I mean, I've had some students who just seem to have two left feet and two right hands. They just don't, you know, I've had one or two memorable ones who just think, but they keep coming. Every week they keep coming. They love it. They love the exercise, and I'm not going to stop. That's, that's fantastic. It's their social, they come and they have a sweat, they go home, they their thumbs up, they love it. But I look and think, I'll show a technique. And they do what in their mind they think I've shown, which is something totally obscure. I, I, no, look, I've shown you this. And then they, then they repeat it, do something different. And you sort of, some people just can't train. You can show them a million times and they do their own, their own little version of it. You think, well, if you're happy with that, you crack on with it. You know, so, you know, yeah, I, I wonder whether... Um it's it's kind of that some people process information differently or some people they they just don't kind of concentrate cuz you know what yeah. something that i've that i've sort of become more aware of as as i've got older is that you know you have to really sort of be mentally present at a class the same, it's, it's actually really interesting, you know, what I've, what I've learned from doing these podcasts, because this is, I was just saying to Tom earlier, this, is, this would be 51, so it's almost a yeah. year. And it's really uh, been quite fascinating being like really present, having a conversation with someone, like trying to listen to what they're saying rather than anticipating what they're going to say so I can say my next thing. You yeah, know, actually yeah, yeah. kind of letting people speak and listening to what they say and thinking about it and then that the conversation flowing like that. And, I mean, it's, it's certainly the same for me at uh, Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, honestly, that's why most of the classes that I do are sparring classes because I actually find it quite difficult now to concentrate on a, a normal, in inverted commas, class <clears throat> you know, where someone might be teaching for an hour, hour, 20, hour, 30, hour and a half, five, six, seven techniques, little details, whatever. You know, I'm good for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And then I find like if I just drift away for a couple of minutes, it's very hard then to come back and re-pick up on, yeah, on yeah, what's I, going I, on because exactly. you missed a, like a block in yeah. the middle, right? Yeah, you have, you have an attention span. You can soak up some information and too much kind of like overflows out your brain. Yeah. You, you, it's sometimes you can see too much and one thing I've I mean I've been to a few BJJ seminars I don't go to many but I've been to a few 
And the guy's showing like, you know, he's showing like 15 techniques off of a thing. And I'm, I walk out there and I can't remember one of them. Yeah. Totally off my head. Gone, gone. I got back and I was like, I'm trying to think of it. I think, oh, he did do this. I've got no idea. I've got absolutely no idea what he's done. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that is, you need to look at one technique and master it rather than being good at 50 techniques or 50 variations of the one technique. Just learn the one basic technique, learn it really well, and that will serve you forever. Yeah, it is, it is kind of, I think, very much like building concepts, Yeah, you know, of closed guard you know what's the structure what's the aim what's the purpose of it you know what are the kind of potential options it was really interesting actually because on a on a monday night um we train at home we got a little mat in the garage and uh seymour mikatsu comes over on yeah, a monday yeah. so me him and my wife um because we're all a similar size so it's, it's good sort of rounds and um she she tries generally to play like a top game like a like a completely amateur her version of your game she wants to go on top put a lot of pressure look for some grips mechanically just start kind of moving 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 to get a kimura or something kind of heavy and uh but yesterday she she ended up i don't know if she pulled guard or she ended up on her back and she was looking for an arm lock with seymour and then he removed his arm and she had to go to the other arm like i've never seen her do that jujitsu and she did like 15 things really sort of perfectly. And I think because something had just kind of clicked like from that position, oh, th- these are the options. And if this... Well, that's about the natural muscle memory. Right? Once you're actually training without thinking, that's yeah. where you want to be. Yeah. You can actually act without thinking. And then so you've done it. He taps someone. I, thought, I didn't even think about that. I've done it. Yeah. Which is something quite nice. I actually think, yeah, it works. I've done it. It works. Which is lovely when you do that. You think, yeah, my, all the training, all the hard work has paid off because I've acted with muscle memory, bang, I've done it. I think it's, I think it's dif- difficult as well when you're a beginner, when you're starting out. Because obviously when you're a beginner when you're a kid, everyone's a beginner when they're kids. Yeah. When you come in as a beginner, as an adult, it's, it's quite difficult to, um, to cope with going back to, oh, this is like when I was 14 and I'm like a proper newbie. But it, it, it's always quite um, nice when you're starting and when I see other people starting and they kind of feel like they're not getting anywhere because everybody is progressing. So generally, the guy who's better than you is still better than you because he's training when you're training. He's improving, you're improving and he's at a level above you. But then it's only when you get a new person and then suddenly you can do stuff and you're like, wow, this works. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, there's someone below in a picking order and you're able to actually apply some form of technique on them and you're thinking, oh, it does work, it yeah. does work. I mean, I have the problem, but Julia has a problem, I have the problem at my club, that we can only hire the hall on a Tuesday night. So if I get beginners turn up, actually raw beginners turn up, I'm going to try martial art, I'm to try judo. Yeah, come on the mat, it's a jacket and stuff. Are you fit? Are you got any health problems? Blah, blah, blah. Are you checking more out? Yeah, they're fine. Oh, join in. So you, you end up, because I can't have another time to do a beginner's class. So I've got to blend them into the normal class, which is a problem to start with. Mm. But there's no option, so I've got to do that. And you show them some breakfalls, et cetera. You run through some basic bits of bobs. Someone does on the side, and then you blend. So just just copy. So just put it, whatever technique we're doing, just, just try and copy it. And I'll just see if they can actually, their, their body works. If they can actually pick up what I'm doing even if it's wrong, but they're, they're making the effort. They're, they're almost there, like, yeah, yeah, this guy's got some potential. So some people can't do it, absolutely can't do it. 
Uh, get them to a little bit sparring out the front, but obviously not going to be thrown. They just say, just get a grip on the person, take whatever you want to do, rugby tack, I don't care. Get your hands on the person, try and move them around a little bit, and just see if you can put your leg across. See if you can time something. See if you can actually push them around a little bit. I don't care if it looks like a rugby scrum. It doesn't matter. Just get out and have a go. And that, you can check their fitness out. So you can check their determination as well. If they're hanging out there for a few minutes and they're not gone purple and they're, hanging, <laughs> they're doubled over like gassing, and you've got to come back, come back. No, that's too much, you know. Obviously, don't let them get to that state, but you want to see if they've got determination. And very often, you know, they leave a smile on their face, or well, maybe see you next week, and they don't come back, really. But then the ones that do come back, they're, the, they're good. They've already sort of tried it. Yeah. They've been pushed a little bit in a friendly way. They've pushed a little bit, and actually they, they want it. The same as in boxing. You could, you could go and boxing, you can punch a speedball, punch a bag for hours on end, and eventually you get in the ring and someone thumps you. And you're like, nah, forget, I'm going to... Yeah. What a, you know, you waste a lot of time and effort on one person who is actually not going to do it. In the real world, in the real game, they're not going to do it. Um, if yeah, so I had, it's a good filter, right, for it's you It's a filter. Too. If I had a, a, a chance, like a beginner's session, I had someone who could hire, who could hire the hall out as available and I could do a beginner's thing. Ideal, but I haven't. So I have to work what i got, which is probably a game with the amateur thing of judo. You can only have certain times... You haven't got the permanent matter, you haven't got the time, the timetable to fill, which we're up against that with BJJ guys with full-time facilities. I mean, there weren't any of them facilities around. Then 10 years ago, I can't think of any full-time, well, Nick's one was open. 10, next, uh, it was full-time then. 10, 11, 12 years ago, there was no full-time BJJ clubs around. Mm. Then Nick started his up in Mill Hill. And some of my guys started going down there. Um, it was in the LC Scout hut that was down off Mill Hill near the Broadway. And uh, a couple of my guys were going down there training. They come, yeah, I can't train with this guy. Like, he's, he's really good at Mill Hill. I said, okay. Oh. They would have to come out my dad five, six times. Oh, I popped down there. I popped down and rolled with Nick. It was great. He, he had a good time. And I went down the next time and he was watching me train. He said, do you mind if I grade you? I said, oh, well, um, I didn't really want to grow. I wasn't really interested. I wasn't really sort of... Yeah. I just went down for a roll around. There's nothing more than that. I said, well, um, okay. And he gave me a purple belt. I said, oh, thanks very much. And then I uh, put a couple of tags on it, put I think four tags on shortly after that, and then I did the English Open, and I won that. But I didn't really know the rules. <laughs> I didn't really know. <laughs> I was quite ignorant about the whole thing. I just I just turned up and have a roll around and go home again. Yeah. I never really thought much about it and I entered it and I won that and uh, they gave me my brown belt then and then a year or so after that himself and Roger come down and give me a black belt at a seminar so that's my sort of potted career I did try and get involved with Carlson's before that because I knew Simon at Budokai Simon Hayes and he, he got me coming out to a couple of his seminars and it was the original boiler room um, where Carlson started off at it's his leaky old basement and it was yeah, it was like the ground. It was like ground zero. It was like hmm, this is interesting. Some interesting characters in there, and uh, yeah, you're looking around thinking, "Oh my god, this is <laughs> this is different." And uh, we done the seminar, and I went to the another reincarnation Carlson's. They had another matter. I can't remember where it is now. It's in West London somewhere. Went a couple of sessions over there, but it was just too far for me to go. It just wasn't practical, so I can't. I can't do this. This is. I left it for a bit and then Nick started his one up and I got involved from there. Yeah. So I'm sort of, yeah, that, that's, that's my sort of lineage, that kind of where I'm from with it. And 
I mean, have you thought about trying to incorporate the the judo club with a jiu-jitsu club so that you can kind of share a facility? Uh, yeah, if, well... Because you've got, I mean, for example, say, I mean, not, not necessarily geographically, but like uh, Resistance, Ibi's place. You know, he's got classes Monday evening, Tuesday evening, Wednesday, Thursday, but Friday nothing. Saturday after, I don't know, probably midday there's nothing there. Sundays they have nothing. Yeah. And then there's gaps in sort of mid-afternoon and, and in all through the morning because they have early morning class and lunch class. But I kind of wonder whether that's a way for judo to um, to get, again, more traction. Because the yeah. thing is, I mean, all, all jiu-jitsu, all, all confrontation pretty much starts standing up, right? So wrestling or judo, judo probably being the, the much more technical in terms of harder to be proficient it, yeah, than it, it wrestling. Is, it's harder to learn. Um yeah, I mean, there's plenty of angles there for different clubs to go and start something at. Um, and that is that would be a nice thing to do. The problem I've got, I've probably found from experience, I mean, several so, so of the guys who train with me have their own full-time clubs, Andy Nugent and Stephen Edge, Dan Cox has got his place in Boxmoor. Um, you know, there's, there's quite a few guys who come through and they've all set their full-time academies up and they're running, they're doing really well. They've both tried to put judo in, but people are kind of like slightly resistant. You, you just can't call it judo. You've got to call it a takedown class. Yes. So people associate it with heavy slams into the mat, and they're kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure. I'll get injured. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, so this is a this is a question, because this is, this is something that's come up a, a, a couple of times on, on other podcasts with people. In terms of getting thrown and learning to throw other people, do you think that there is a, broadly speaking, an age at which you probably best not to be training judo to, or, or trying to learn judo as a, as a beginner? Yeah, well, yeah, that's a tricky one. Um, obviously, the older you get, the harder it is, just physically. It hurts more. Um, I mean, you can do it. You can learn at any age, but it depends on how good you want to be. You know, there's, there's a ceiling to what you can achieve at a certain age. And if someone were to turn up in their, say, 40 years old, they've had a family, the kids are growing up, they want to start, they want to start a hobby, they want to start judo, specifically judo, they're about to turn up, they'll find it physically pretty hard. And that would probably turn them off of it. Even if you try and keep it... If they're standing up, we call it randori sparring, standing up, even as you start very... Go easy with a guy, like, just back into it. Again. Even if you try to stop, you can say, BJJ, the level creeps up. The intensity, you can't help it. Yeah. Someone pushes, someone pushes a bit back a bit harder. Before you know it, they're going full pelt. And you're like, oh, stop, stop, stop. No, he's not going to be doing that. You know, it, pe people are people. They get competitive very quickly. And it's very hard to put that genie back in a bottle once it's out. And you know it's not going to end up well for the guy who started at 40. His first ever sort of combat sport, he's not going to come back. He's going to ache. He's going to hurt. He's going to pull muscles. It's just too much. So you've got to phase them in very gently and really be very careful what they're training, what they're doing. And are they then doing judo, or or is it a, just a modified form of jacket wrestling to suit their age and their? The guy might have been playing rugby all his life; he might be strong as an ox. He would do fantastic. It's for your average guy who hasn't done really any sport. It's probably going to be quite hard for him, to be honest. 
they'll find a bit of a shock. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking as well, like knees, lower back, neck, yeah, from yeah. the throwing. Well, this, and right, so this, this is a point that I've always thought. And, um, and it's another problem that judo has rooted in the past. I say it was always layout mats on concrete floors, so, you know, scout hut floors, etc. And there were times when they were quite thin mats. And you're getting banged around on those a lot. You're going to ache in later life. That's, that's just inevitable. That's what happens to the body. We don't have sprung floors over here. As in a dojo, I train, so it doesn't have sprung floors. I've trained in Japan a couple of times. I've been out there, and the whole thing is just beautiful floating sprung floor. If you get thrown as hard as you like, it's not that pleasant, but it's um, the impact spreads out. Yeah. <laughs> that kinetic energy spreads into the mat yeah. and spreads out through the floor. And it's just because some of the dojos I've trained at full-time dojos, and uh, someone gets thrown into the mat for a little bump at the other end where the shock travels through the... <laughs> you think, well, but that, put that back to over here, and you're landing on a, a 50 mil mat on the solid concrete floor. That impact's just ending with you. And this is a problem that it has. This is what puts a lot of people off. If we had sprung floors, it'd be so much better. Mm. We could learn... Could, the standard British Jewel would go so much better because more people would do it there's less injuries. It's a long-term thing. Um, and you can make a sprung floor quite easily, provided you've got full-time premises. Yes. I mean, the Buddha guy has tyres put down. Yeah. Tyres put down, boarding do on top. For weightlifting as well, yeah, right? Yeah, you can just do exactly. it with tyres. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a shame that there's not the the funding and the sort of institutional support for it. Um, because I think, you know... Judo, um, I don't know what your what your thoughts are on it. It's another thing I wanted to to ask you about. For kids, is a great mm. oh, it is yeah uh, for kids martial arts to, yeah. to to get yeah. them started with martial arts. You can arts. pack out a kids a kids judo class packed, and I've got a friend of mine who trains with me. He started up his own little club as well, it's like a sister club to ours in Wellington City called Kamura Judo, and he just better doing kids, and he's busy, 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 you know. And uh, it's it's great. I can't turn them all. You know, the mat's packed out. Mm. It's a great business. Yeah, yeah. So would you would you say um, as a as an art for kids to learn? Do you have a preference for judo versus jujitsu, or both? Well, there's a question. Um, I would say learn judo first. A because the kids are fearless, and the, judo actually learn their stand up balance, and they're going to learn some very basic groundwork. They'll learn some basic pins. So the great the the bedding and the uh, the building blocks of BJJ in later life. But you learn the standing work, you learn the grips, the posture, the balance, the movement, you learn aggression. And also there's quite a lot of discipline in judo as well, especially for kids. So learning those discipline elements. And what I do see in some BJJ clubs I've been to, there isn't the same kind of um, mat discipline as there is in judo. As if people wander off, they'll take a phone call, they'll be chatting in the corner, and you know people drift off and they'll come and go a little bit during the class. You don't get in judo. Like if you're on the mat, you're on the mat training. Yeah, I you think know, it's very. It seems very. Um, it's laid back. It's like it's a nice laid back atmosphere. But they're they're very sort of culturally different, right? Yeah, yeah, judo exactly. is Japanese yeah, exactly, culture, yeah. formal, regimented. This is if I'm talking, do. you listen. Like and Brazilian me, is yeah. like eh, you know, yeah, yeah, we were yeah, out yeah. late last night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come when you feel like it. Yeah, but it's good for kids to learn that kind of discipline. But mm. if, if the teacher's talking, you turn your eyes around, you listen. If he says, no, don't do it, you don't do it. Yeah. You know, and your phone's ringing, yeah, you ignore it. Yeah, absolutely. And and what about as a, if, you, if you're if picking one against the other as a self-defense 
for maybe maybe either older kids or for women or oh, right, for yeah. a man who okay. wants to learn a little bit of something. Do well, I, I don't teach self-defense, so my opinion would be, uh, I, I, as a top of my head, I would probably say learn judo. As in, very often, um, if you can hold someone, you can touch someone, if someone feels you're strong in your hands and your grip, they'll stop. You can throw someone and run away. You're not getting involved in an intricated ground gapping game. You could throw someone, you could sweep someone for standing and leg it. You know, just don't get involved is basically anything. But and I know people who have been to self-defense, so some females have been to self-defense classes, a six-week course in self-defense. It's a nonsense. I mean, who can learn? It's controlling your emotions. It's controlling that fight-or-flight ability. It's keeping a clear head when you're under pressure. All the things that actually make it good for self-defense learning how to like, put keys in your knuckles like this and doing that they teach. You can never think to do that. You can never, ever in a million years, it's going to help you. But people are selling these courses and doing self-defense courses. You've got to put under pressure. You have to have someone trying to fight you and you fight back because the last thing you want to shut down is your brain. Mm. You've got to keep thinking. Even if you're taking a pummeling, your brain's still whizzing. Oh, last chance, I can try this. There's an angle there, I can go for this. You know, You only learn that by having it done to yourself being in that position of taking a good punishment and you, you, you know someone's on top of you they're going to tap you all the time you're thinking well, I could try this I could try I've got to grab that because I twist here you're thinking you're thinking mm. all the time when you stop thinking that's it game over yeah yeah I mean I think that's one of the things that, again we've talked about a lot on the podcast that I enjoy so much about jiu-jitsu through the sparring and the rolling is that you you're just constantly able to live test everything mm, yeah, yeah. does this work you know i know it's supposed to work i get the sleeve work, but it doesn't okay why not well you know what happens when i do get stuck here how long can i survive there what are my options for moving it gives you a lot of um kind of realistic feedback which i guess is similar for judo exactly it's the same thing it's exactly the same one's horizontal one's vertical basically between the two it's the same tactics you have to grip your opponent you've got to break their balance you apply a technique, make them tap. You know, put your hands on, move the opponent, break their balance, apply a technique and throw them. It's the same, it's the same concept, just different ways of doing it. A different end game, basically. Yeah, so so this is this is something that I wanted to to kind of drill into a little bit more. Is the the kind of application from judo into jujitsu? Because what I tend to to notice with judo guys is that they're just really strong. Mm, yeah. They've got really great sort of posture and balance and core strength and grips, you know, really difficult to to move them around at all. I mean, obviously, you know, rolling with you is a is an obvious example, but even the the other odd judo people that that drop in and out, like you First class they come to, you can hang with them. They literally need like one class to orientate themselves to, okay, this is the different rules. And then you get nothing. Um, where does that strength, posture, power come from? Is there a way to develop it without doing 30 years of judo? Is, it, is there something that you guys are doing that creates that base? Um, I think it's, base? it's physically, you're physically picking someone up. You're physically moving someone's body with your grips. You're moving them where they don't want to go. 
It's like a constant workout as you're standing. You're constantly pushing, pulling someone off balance, pushing them. And in the grips you create a very high tension grips. You're always creating massive tension in the gi and you're pulling all the time. So that constant motion there, and I've done since I was 11, and you just, once you squeeze, it's very hard to get the grip off. Mm. You know, you don't let the grip go. It, it, it is, because it, you're just basically pushing and pulling, you know, standing up, pushing and pulling. And your body develops, your core develops, and everything works together as a unit. And you don't get the same workout by any means in BJJ. Because I've had some lot good level BJJ guys turn up to learn judo, and they've been exhausted. They've absolutely blown it like that. Do you? I can't do this. Well, you know, they're dying. They want to work out. So yeah, and I was like, I was said to people, if you're someone who's doing like five days a week of BJJ, and that's it, you want to be a black, but you want to be champion, blah blah, blah whatever you want to be. I said, oh, my advice would be to do four days training and one day judo. Just drop one session of judo in, and that'll improve your cardio, improve your gripping, your core strength, your balance your tactics as well, giving advantage from the first grip to the takedown or, or the guy takes you, you're, you're in charge from the, from the start, okay? Um, and not doing it is a massive detriment, I think. And I don't, you don't have to be a, a, a champion, you don't have to learn fantastic judo, you just have to learn to be competent on your feet, learn to grip well, learn to move and keep your balance, even if you don't even try and throw the guy. The guy will make a mistake then, he'll drop you'll pull guard you know and so if you if you were training in, in in that scenario you're doing three or four days a week bjj and one day judo yeah how long do you think most people are there training the judo before they become in inverted commas competent well not, the guys I've got, level, I've, got, I've got loads of guys training at the minute I've got loads of guys from boxable club training with me um we've got other guys from other other BJJ clubs are dropping in as well, and they're good. Even from, from, from the get-go, from the start, they understand the grips. I thought they haven't got good grips. They've got, they understand the gripping patterns. They understand about attacking. They've got the, uh, the aggression. Once you've got to just fine-tune them a little bit and just point in the right direction and take out the, the scrappiness, basically, and, yeah, they're, they're doing great, you know. And I want to grade them up a little bit more, actually. They're starting to get graded now. I want to push them. They want to do, they want to do competitions. So now they're thinking, oh, we'll do some competitions. I want to do a competition. So I'm trying to find a nice competition. The problem I've got, they're at sort of beginner level. So they would do a beginner level competition, would accept them in. They're not beginner level at all by any means. So I'm trying to hold them back a little bit and wait until I've graded them up a little bit higher and they can go at a higher level comp, which will give them a better workout. Because mm. the minute they go up against people who will be other sort of white belts and first, first, first level yellow belts, they'll wipe the floor with them. So there's no point doing this bit of sandbagging type thing going on. So it's like, it's like, I don't want to be getting into that game. It just gets a bit embarrassing. So I was trying to hold them back a little bit and grade them up a bit and then put them into something that will challenge them. And how, I mean, what, what, what do you reckon they're looking at? Six months of training? 12 months of oh, training? Oh, six months of training, you can become quite as proficient as they need to be for BJJ, put it that way. Hmm. So you so you probably, you do need to commit, if you commit yourself for a year. Oh, yeah, you'll you be good. You'll be good. good. I mean, an average... If you had a, as a scenario, if you had a, um, like a scaffolder or a builder or an, a farmyard worker who's got natural core strength, you know, they're naturally moving heavy things around all day, and they've got natural athletic ability and they can understand instructions, if they were to train sort of three times a week, they could probably be going for their black belt in a couple of years, you know. Um, that wouldn't be, they could just bang, 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 bang and go through it. 
just with natural ability, you know, and they can do it from, from, from a standing start. So you've got the BJJ guys already can do a little bit of stand-up. They understand the grips and they, they understand the whole game. They understand what they're meant to be doing. They know they've got someone on the floor they can win, so the confidence comes as well. You've just got to try and link it up a little bit and try and make something happen between the first sort of bump fists and being on the floor, that area that sort of a lot of BJ clubs don't really touch or or do. I've been doing like these seminars and we don't want a resistance for him. We've done, you know, we've done a six-week one for him. I'm doing the RGA South Hearts at the mid side of the road. I'm doing them in July, every Wednesday, doing an hour for them now. And they're, they're enjoying it. The plots are busy. But I don't teach them. I don't go and say, I'm going to teach you judo. I don't do that. I'm going to show you some grips and some simple little trips to get the person down with the minimum effort. Mm. Okay, show us that then. And you show them that. But you show them judo, but you don't call it that. You wrap it, put it in a different wrapper. And so now I go, you went and said, I'm doing judo. Probably not many would, they would turn up, but there wouldn't be as many. Really, that kind of interest. So you've got to phrase it in a way they want to hear and then deliver it to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess people who are jujitsu people, fundamentally, they want better jujitsu. Yeah, that's So the, this yeah, is yeah. how to, you know, whether it's a wrestling class, a judo class, whatever, it's actually, it's not to become good at wrestling or become no, good so they at wanna, judo. They want to become better at jujitsu. And that's what I try and do for the people that turn up for me. All the BJJ guys have come through. We've had quite a few BJJ black belts have come through and got their black belts from me as well in judo. I've never really taught them actually strict judo. So they turned up, oh, no, can I can learn some judo? Of course you can, come on. And uh, so I've got right away this gi. Yeah, of course you can wear your gi, it doesn't matter. I don't care. You wear a pink gi, I don't wear. I don't, you wear yellow trousers, I don't care. Get on the mat. So what's the rules? I've also been looking on YouTube. What's all the rules? I'm a bit confused about the grips, the gripping rules and things, and the, don't worry about it. So if you want to do double legs and single legs, you knock yourself out. You, you go for it, do as much as you want. Mm. You, you, do, you, you play your game, see what happens. Also stand back and let them do it, and uh, and they realise after a while they don't really have a game. They try to do a single leg constantly, and realise they can't. Once that cat's out of the bag, and people see what they're doing, you hit it once or twice, and then suddenly everyone's like, "No, you're not doing that anymore." Mm. And then they're knackered trying to jump down for a leg that's not there, and uh, they're saying, oh, "Let me show you something a little bit different. Let them do that." And then you slowly, "Why don't we try? Maybe stand up a little bit, get your posture up slightly, try and keep two hands on, and try to use your balance and movement. Think about your timing. Think where your person moves." I think ahead a few steps now. And suddenly it's starting to come together. But I never really try and impose strict judo rules on them. I let them do what they want to do to, to extract what they need for their BJJ. Mm. And they enjoy it. And the guys doing the judo enjoy it because they're doing better groundwork. They, they roll with these guys. Oh, well, he's good. He's, he's done this. Like, yeah, we'll copy him. So do you, do you have some of your judo guys after they train with jiu-jitsu guys thinking, oh, I want to do a bit of jiu-jitsu? Some of them have been down, some of them are doing it as well, yeah. Yeah, some have jumped across and doing it. That's, that's great. They do that. It's quite, it seems like quite a natural kind of... It's an easy progression, crossover, yeah. It's right? an easy progression. I mean, yeah. when I go and so I started training in BJJ, I started training, Nick, Nick wouldn't really do any stand-up. He let me do a, a warm-up and some... A bit, when I used to train in uh, daytime classes... I'll do the warm-up for him when I was down training there and I'll do like a 20 minutes of stand-up and then bang, you're back into BJJ. There's never any sparring from standing. But then going to resistance, they do. Everything starts from standing, which is mm. great. I love mm. that, it's great. But I had to quickly develop a strategy of not turning my back, of keeping this takedown simple and also not actually throwing people. Some people think, stand there, I can... Oh, I could see a nice big. Oh, I'd be. I said, no, because that's not what I'm there to do. 
And it's not fair on the other guy as well, because obviously it's not, they don't really know break falls. Oh, throwing a break his collarbone. So, oh, God, for sake. Yeah, what have I done? Yeah. It's embarrassing. I don't want to do that. So did BJJ guy go to judo club and smashing on an arm bar and cracking their arm. Well, he should have tapped. Well, he shouldn't have done it. Like, yeah. You know, it's... So Yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, right? So <laughs> I've learned a game just sort of gripping and just good solid grips, move the person around a little bit. If the person wants to do stand-up and they're trying to take me down, I'll, I'll, I'll raise it up and, and then I'll start to look for better throws. But very I know some of the good guys, you get hold of them and bang, they're straight down. They won't engage it. So I have to anticipate they're going to drop and pull guard, half guard. But that's part of the game, that's what it is. So I try and work a half guard game to try and push past them because I know what they're going to do. Yeah. It's the game of a preemptive, like, I oh, know he's going to do this, I'm going to do that, he's going to do this, I'm going to do that. In your mind, you work through a strategy to try and... Yeah, so this this was something that uh, Rob Connor was saying, he was in a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and I was asking him the same thing, you know, judo for jiu-jitsu and judo versus wrestling and all these sorts of things. And, um, you know, he kind of said the similar thing that at, at the higher levels, the guard pull can negate much of that stand-up stuff that you don't have. Oh, very much, yeah, yeah. You know, that's one of the one of the kind of tricks, if you like, of jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Is going straight you, to the mat on your terms. You could get your ass on the ground and uh, play from there. Yeah. But then, um, then, as in my case, because judo was always quite a closed guard game when I was learning. When I was young, with a lot of it was closed guard. I didn't really play a lot of open guard. A little bit, but not much. It was very tight, closed guard kind of game. And uh, so my, my, open, my fight against open guard game is not that great. If someone's very fast and young, they're playing a really fast, furious open guard game. I get caught in a triangle. I get caught, so, so I, I try and avoid getting, getting stuck in that game. So I bypass. I quite have to go straight into someone's closed guard, and then work my way around it. Right. So I try and not put myself in positions where I'm going to be in trouble. So you've got to think ahead. So you know, some people you can train with. Bang! I know he's going to sit straight down as soon as I touch him. He's going to try and do an open guard game. So now I've got to actually go in straight away you got to get put into a closed guard and then work my way out of it. Because I know that more dangerous for me trying to do an open guard pass with him because they're going to set me up for something. So if some guys are good, you've got to temper what you do, change your tactics. You know, it's, 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 it is a game of tactics. It's like chess, as they say. Yeah, that's, that's quite interesting because, you know, a, a lot of people would probably assume that if you get put in someone's closed guard, that's not really where you want to be. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Whereas if your your tools and your attributes suit that more as yours do, really good posture, really good kind of framing from that position, you, you're not really in danger from there, are you? You just sit there until you can pass. Until the guy makes a mistake and then you capitalise on it. Yeah, that's what I notice when I'm like, oh, I've closed my guard on Graham. Then I'm like, shit, I've closed my guard on Graham. Like, I know what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, slowly I'll you don't want to pass. We bend the guy's head round, and you put wrap the lapel round, and you pressurise past. You know, I find that's bread and butter to me. That's that's, that's quite that's a guy that works for me as a game. So this this is this is something that I wanted to to ask you about. Um, I don't know whether this is a slightly a secret, but Ibby said to me that he had overheard you um, saying to someone else, "You you only want to fight the one armed man." Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed like as soon as this. I hear this of the lapel. I'm like, I know what's happening. Yeah, you've got to wrap the guy up yeah. and then pass, yeah. So so do you do you have a a system of 
sort of trapping an arm or, or, or using there's ways, uh, Yeah, there's things I do, and I like to always tie up an arm. If I can tie someone's arm up or use the, the end of the gi as a wrap around the body or use a person's gi to wrap around their body to immobilise them, slow them down, control the hips a lot of the time, and then try and pass. Um, it turns into a slow grinding game, a pressure game, and once you've got that position, you can actually pass quite easy because the person kind of knows, eventually they accept, I can't actually move. And you can just take your time and pass it around the like guard. It's like the seven stages of grief. Yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> it, it goes deeper and deeper. <laughs> but I, I first saw that kind of technique. There's a judo guy called Katsuhiko Kashiwazaki, and he was a world champion in 1981. And he had some fan, he had fantastic level ground, which is like the same as BJJ nowadays. He had fantastic sweeps, he had fantastic turnovers, arm bars. He could do the lot. And he used to do it all the time to people. One of his turnovers was like a, like a sumageshi sweep from the ground. He would tie the person up, he'd flip them over. Even if he got stuck in half guard, he would wrap the arm. He would always wrap the arms up, immobilise the upper body, and then work on the legs and pop around. So watch this. Because we had like grainy little VHS videos and stuff to watch. We're like, I'm watching that. We're down the club, as I say, this guy, Joe, we'd practice it and look at it, practice it, and tie the arm up. Where could he go for this? And then you get more of a thing of actually, you can use the gi to actually wrap around the body. There's turnovers using the gi to wrap. There's various things you can do. And it just kind of works. And I find that, and I've zoned in on that quite a lot. Because I say, a lot of the guys are, I find someone's 20 years old, you know, they're, they're winning God knows what in their purple brown belt. If I give them space, they're going to be all over me. So I have to deny them their space. Deny them the movement to move their hips. So you start wrapping the body up a little bit and put them in tight. And they physically can't make space to start working their game. And they're, oh, what's going on here? And slowly, oh, I'll just pop around here to my, at my leisure. I could put on what I want to put on. If I gave them space, I'd be in all sorts of trouble. You know, because that space, they move their hips, they've got the body movement, they can start spinning and twisting, and I'm chasing something that's not there. You know, and I don't want that, no. I'm too old to do that now. So yeah. I've got to slow it right down and uh, pick my chances. And um, so so talking about age and, and being slower and getting older, you, you competed quite a lot in judo when you were younger, yeah. right? You did... Um, you're on, so were you a firefighter for work? Yes, yeah, I was yeah. a full-time fireman. I've retired now. Yeah. And you, so you, you were gold medalist in the fire... I went to the World Firefighter Games. And uh, that was a great fun. That was a fantastic experience. And it's where, at, where was that? Well, I went three times. And the first time I went to Australia. I was in Perth. second time was Edmonton in Canada. And the third time was in Sheffield in the UK. And uh, it's one of those things... It, it, Back then, there wasn't that mobile phone. There wasn't really the internet and stuff. I joined in uh, 91. And there's um, some magazine come around with this thing, World Firefighter Games. There's a little advert in the back of his magazine. What's that about? Hmm. We have to send off for more information. So you send off, a thing arrived in the post, like, you know, two weeks later. It's had Young kids will be listening to this thinking, what? <laughs> anyway, this, this thing arrived at my home, like it's envelope, I open up the brochure, I look at it, and they do judo. Hmm. I was thumbing through it, I'll have some of that. So you had to get an international postal order to send the money to Australia to enter it. And once again, the kids would be like, what is he talking about? Anyway, this is what we say. So that was all sent off. I said to the brigade, I said, I'm going to go and do this. Uh, I was already done, I'd won the National Youth Championships. I'd, I was silver medalist in the under-21s British team. I'd won the Welsh Open. I'd done a medalist in the national team. I'd done all sorts of bits and bobs. So I want to go and uh, do this uh, World Firefighter Games. Do you really? 
I said, uh, why is this? Can I get sport leave? Nope, you take your own time. Oh, okay. So I had to take annual leave. And I was the only one going. No one else was going. So I went on my own to Australia. And I arrived there with a backpack and uh, didn't really know anything. You know, didn't really have any contacts or whatever. To, to, it turned out to be fabulous. It was kind of weird outside the world. I, mean, I was 22, 23, whatever I was there then. It's quite weird outside the world with just a bag on my back and my gi and some change of clothes. But I'd, I'd be like fire brigade uniform. They said, well, you've got to wear a uniform when you get there. But we're having a big parade. Oh, fair enough. So we had like, our best undressed uniform. We'd all packed all the way. And we arrived there. And uh, all the other teams, are, you know, there's a French team, there's a Dutch team, there's teams from US and Japan, all had matching tracksuits and all like, you know, fantastic kit. And the UK team was just a shambles. It was just a mishmash of no one talked to each other. No one knew who was there. It was, it was a British team, yeah. We had like a little flag and we walked through Perth. It was a mishmash of people doing different sports. Oh, they asked me, oh, who are you? Oh, fair enough. The Brits, the Brits all stuck together. They had a big beer, sponsored by Victoria Beer, Victoria Bitter, VB Beer. There's a huge tent, there's a park in the middle of Perth, a huge tent, but a massive marquee. And they filled it full of beer, full of VB tins. Of, if you had the, like, the lanyard, you're a competitor, you've got to help yourself. <laughs> so luckily the judo was on fairly early days in the competition. I won that and uh, come out of there and, start, and the rest of it was a bit of a... Bit of a party. It was great fun. So how long how long were you there? In uh, I think oh, well, from memory, I think it was about ten days. And how many how many fights did you have then? What, what did I had a, look like? from memory, I had about five fights to go to the final, all on one day. Oh, one day, yes, yeah, straight, straight on one day. There was a good Japanese contingent entered as well, and there was a there was some there was some rubbish opposition there as well. I mean, some people there just for a trip, just just for a sunny holiday. Some guys had gone there; they weren't very good. There were some good guys there as well. There's a guy called uh, Brian Beauchamp. who's from Canada. He's ex-Canadian national champion. He's now an MMA referee. He's a black belt BJJ as well. He does a lot of stuff on the internet. He's, he promotes himself on there. He entered it. A lot of Japanese had entered it as well. Um, so I was, I was thinking, oh, it's a bit of a mixed bag here. I'll see how this goes. But I went through. And most of my fights were on a rolling armbar. Taken the back, rolled them over, armbar. So most of my fights were won on that. Um, so I stuck to that plan and went right through with it. Um, but funny enough, when I fought the Japanese a Japanese guy who was very good, I thought, I can't beat him standing. He's, he's too fast, he's too good. I've got to get him on the ground and arm lock him. Was the tactic. I, I watched his earlier fights, I realised how fast he was. I thought, yeah, he could knock me out straight away with this, so I'm, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Luckily, he dropped to his knees when attack, took his back and rolled him. But I was doing it to him, I was putting the arm bar on him. One of the other guys who was there actually speaks some Japanese. And they were shouting at him, don't submit to the foreigner, don't submit, don't submit, don't submit. Like it's a shame kind of thing to... And he had, his, his, he had a little pop on his arm, you know, a little tendon went. It was like, pop. Was like, he, said, he got up, he stiffly bowed to me and walked off and he was like, put some ice around his arm. And I was saying, God, they tell him not to submit. I oh, know, oh, well, yeah, his arm went pop. Like, oh. But so, he has some different coaches for the yeah, next one. Yeah, but that's the mentality of some of the Japanese fighters. You know, just don't lose face and don't, don't, don't lose on that, you know. So yeah. it's a shame. But I won all that. I also did arm wrestling as well. I got a silver medal in the arm wrestling. On, on the same trip? Just for a laugh. Because on the last day, they had a big farewell party in his marquee. And they had an arm wrestling competition. The guy was walking around, the, the tins of beers, with clipboards. He went to arm wrestling. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, ridiculous. Who does that? He said, do you want to do it? I said, yeah, I'll put my name down. He said, we've got training sessions. Every day I'm down here around the back with a proper arm wrestling thing. I was like, okay. I'm not saying I'm a good arm wrestler at all, but... 
I said, I was nothing to do some days. I was like just knocking, kicking my heels, and I wandered How much down beer there. Can you drink? Yeah, exactly that. Some days, it's like I walked around the back, and he was there. He's a great big lump. He's an American guy. So I made to learn a bit of the arm wrestling. I've entered. He goes, Oh, good. I said, No one's turning up. So he showed me how to use the table, how yeah. to grip it, how to put your elbow there, all the tactics of the gripping, how to use your thumb and your fingers, how to twist your wrist, how to pull your shoulder, put it into, make that vector, that V shape, roll your shoulder, you know, go on the B of the G of go, just bang, straight down. It's a toy, it's technique. It's not about really the strength, it's technique. As I thought, so arm wrestling was like there, you know, like schoolboy stuff over yeah. the table. So he showed me, so I went a couple of times, he showed me. And on the day of the competition, it was packed in this place, and they had up on the big podium, they had the arm wrestling thing, the lights on it, and he had so few people entered. He was like, Who wants to enter? And they would have pissed people, like, Yeah, I'll have some of that. So loads of people put their names down. Most of them had been drinking. But so I knew that straight away, it was like, bang, bang, bang. And there wasn't really opposition, to be honest. You know, one or two guys, big strong guys, who tried to strengthen it, which once in reality, you can actually just turn into them, break that elbow slightly open, and then just roll it and put the arm, the elbow down. And I got through, I got beaten in the end, but I think it was, a, it was an American sailor. And he knew the rules, and he just beat me hollow in the final. I had no chance. But it, once again, it's that technique versus strength kind of thing. A lot of guys think they can do it in their heads, but in reality, mm. they can't because they don't really know what they're doing. Same as fighting, BJJ, sport, judo, whatever. I'm big and strong, I can do it. Well, you can't actually. Yeah. You might be good for like 20 seconds, but that's it. And that's the end of, you're going to yeah. blow out, you're going to get caught. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite fascinating to, um, you know, coming back to what I was saying earlier, you know, when you when you start training and you start learning something and you kind of wonder, like, does this really work? Am I mm. really getting anywhere? And then when you arm wrestle against or roll with or, or stand up with someone who is untrained, even if they're big, strong, you know, guy, you realise, yeah, the technique is... You know, it's incredibly always win through. Technique will always win through. I mean, that you can have you can train with someone who's very fit, agile, and strong. They might catch with something lucky, and if, you know, they might catch it one time out of a thousand. They might get you just because their aggression, their strength. Oh, God, you got me. But most of the time, ninety-nine percent of the time, the technique is always going to win out over strength and and power. Yeah, and a lot of people do try and substitute, especially in judo. A lot of people try to substitute for that by getting stronger. So they started in really heavy weights. They started really pushing the weights, trying to be as strong as some of the guys used to train with. They're just monsters. They're physically ripped. You know, this, this guy, I mean, I was supposed to fight at 78 kilos and then it, the weight category changed to 81. You're fighting guys who were like, meant to be 81 kilos and they obviously weighed in at 81. God, they must walk around at 90 kilos. But they're just enormous. They seem to be like five inches taller than me, three foot wider. You think, how on earth? But I never knew. I had no one to have to teach me about weight cutting I never done weight training. I never knew. I never did any weight training. I never knew any proper weight training techniques. I used to go to the gym sometimes, but I never knew what I was doing. I'd push a weight around to try. I'm doing training. I'm not really. I'm just mucking around. You know, in reality, yeah. I had no one to teach me, um, and maybe I should have done. Because I always found the best thing was my fitness. I always been, I've always been. I've always had good cardio, so I always keep going. And always, I can. I'll be the last one to sort of drop down. I found the best training device I've had, and this is for BJJ and judo and generally combat sports, So you have like a five-minute fight, say for five minutes. You want to train to be efficient during that five minutes. You want to, go to, you want to be maximal as well. 
and I found the concept rower, the concept of rowing machine. Get on there, do 2,000 metres. And that takes you, if you just start doing it, you might do it in seven and a half minutes, the first time you do it. But it's everything. It's totally, it's totally anaerobic. You're just blown out your backside at the end of it, and your whole body is shot. But then you start taking the time down on it, and you start chopping, chopping the time down. Before you know it, you're doing it in like, I used to do it in about six, six, 6.39 was the best I've done it in. But you literally, that's the end of your day. You've got to get off there and vomit. It's just the absolute maximum sort of thing you can do. But that translates into a five-minute fight with someone. You can fight easy then. You can mm. train really hard and fight really easy, which is where you want to be. Yeah, you, you, if you're going to compete, I mean, you've definitely got to tailor your training to that sort of competition yeah, yeah. mentality and, and intensity. I mean, the, the first, uh, you know, jiu-jitsu comp that I did, the, the, the biggest kind of shock, surprise was just, oh, it started. You know, because normally you're like, hey, bro, how's it going? This You're kind of training normally in, in, the, in the class. And I just, uh, I, I entered the English Open. Um, I, didn't, I, I didn't really even have any um, uh, desire to compete. I just, I just wanted to train. And then uh, I thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to go and do this, uh, going to go and enter this competition. I didn't even really know the rules properly. You know, I'd been, I'd been training with Nick for two, two, two and a half years, something like that maybe. But I hadn't really paid any attention to the competition side of things. And, um, but I just remember, you know, sort of go, you know, call you on the mat, go up, bump fists, okay, fight. And I was like, shit, it started. You know, and the guy yeah, grabbed me, it, yeah. pulled a De La Hiva guard, and I was like, like, well, fuck, this is, you know, you're, it's off and running. And then, although I'd been training three days a week at Nick, so doing the beginner and the advanced class twice a week, the sparring class on a Friday, man, one round, I was, I couldn't get up off the mat after that fight. I literally, you know, the referee was sort of trying to pick me up to say, like, you need to get off the mat, like your fight is finished. I couldn't even stand up. It took me probably 40 minutes to to get my breath back, just yeah, one yeah. five-minute round. It's amazing. I, it's, I think it's, a, it's like a nervous dump. It's a, a nervous energy dump. Yeah. It's just a whole thing of boof. Yeah. Yeah, oh, my God, what happened? Yeah, yeah, you do You do need the, the... I mean, there's no sort of substitute for the experience either, right? And when you no, compete you a few yeah. times, you start to kind of there's get a mix better of, there's at There's a mix it. of fear, anticipation, excitement. There's a whole mix of things going on in your body. And I've, I find my first fight, if I've got a competition, my first fight is always... I just want to survive the first fight, get out of the way. Once I've got that out of the way, I've, I've got rid of those nerves and that energy goes and then I'm calm I can concentrate yes. it's like back to business but the first one is always like if I fight someone is no good I know, I know this guy I can beat him you might have seen him around you know you know you can beat him but you get tense inside suddenly your body's not your own you, yeah. it doesn't quite you just got to survive it and get through it and suddenly once you've done it or halfway through the fight you relax yeah, you almost do need, I mean, for, for judo maybe it's m more difficult, but I think certainly for jiu-jitsu, you almost need a couple of fairly high-intensity rolls, maybe like 20 minutes, yeah. half hour before yeah. you're going to compete. Just to get the sweat on and get it, yeah. yeah. And just get everything kind of, you remember, oh yeah, I do know something, I can do something. That thing I'm practicing, I mm. can remember how it works, yeah. Yeah, it is It is difficult, that initial... Um, 
when you first step on the mat. And, and you know, again, like at, at older age groups, especially, you know, for me, older age groups and lighter weights, there's usually hardly anyone to fight. Mm. So you might get one fight or you might get two fights. And that's it. So that one fight, that's your, oh, I just need this fight to warm up. <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's it. That's, that's what I said. It rests on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't, uh, you don't really have anything after that. No, I mean, some of the guys have been asking me, oh, you, should, you should compete now. And I'll be masters, whatever that's, I'm that's in what now. That's what I was going to ask you. And I was like, yeah, I'm not against it. I've, but I've done a lot in the past. And when I compete, I have to train for it. Like, I don't like just to turn up and compete. I would have to have like a sort of a, a 10-week running. I'd have to start doing my fitness. So I'd have to eat really clean. I'd start working my cardio. I thought like, well, I would want to train like three, four times a week just to get myself in a position where I know if I if I lose, it's because I've I lose against okay, so it's better. Yes. It's not because I've lose because I haven't worked on my cardio, I haven't really studied the game, I haven't put the hours in on the mat, then I'll be really annoyed at myself. Mm. And if you lose fair and square, it's fine, it's not a problem at all. But if I lose because of me not trying, that would annoy me. Can you see yourself going to do it or do you think really I, might, I mean I, I didn't do it before because I always kind of figured that there might be like one person in my category, you know. And once you're paying the entry fee, I've done all, as I say, I've done all the training for 10 weeks before that, I've had a run in, and there's one guy there. And you're like, oh, gosh, a lot of bloody effort for one so you'd, fight. So you'd fight Masters 5? I think it's Masters 5, yeah. Yeah. And and what what, what weight would you go? Like, eight, is it 82, 83, something? Um, I, well, I normally walk around about 81 kilos. I can't go down to 78 if I need to. You know, I, I can move around weights quite easy. Mm. So I think, I think probably at Black Belt... I think now for... there's more people at my age and weight doing it. <laughs> and you would have a decent run of fights, you know, and it would be worthwhile doing. I might well do it. <clears throat> um, now I've said that, obviously I've got to be in my ear about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, what I noticed, I mean, this, I was talking to Rob Connor about this as well. Um, I, I went. I came off of Facebook about five years ago. I was like, right, I'm done with Facebook. And then I went back on recently just to try and promote the podcast and go to some groups and whatnot. But I noticed there's there's a um, there's a BJJ over forties group that's got I don't know like thirty thousand people in it. And then there's a I think it's called fifty and up BJJ, which is over fifties right, yeah. group, which has got quite a lot of people in it. But what I noticed as well was that there's a lot of guys at, at in those groups, particularly kind of interesting is the, is the over 50s group, who are beginners, who are like white belt, blue belt, purple belt, whatever, particularly white belt, in their 50s, in their 60s, starting out and falling in love with it and, and you know, training and competing, and grading and all of that. And I, and I think, again, you know, because... because Brazilian jiu-jitsu is, relatively speaking, a young sport. I think increasingly there's more older oh, yeah, guys yeah, yeah, available. Yeah. Exponentially it will grow yeah. and you will have, in another three, four years, there'll be a whole load more black belts out there, a whole load of different age ranges, and it will mature and grow yeah. organically, and that will happen. And yeah. the, way, the same thing, well, also, there is a danger of that as well. As, as it grows and more people get their black belts, more people start to sort of splinter off and do their own clubs of a slight fragmentation, mm. a, a dilution of knowledge, mm. which is a danger. Um, people start dishing out their own black belts. So the lineage thing becomes dubious. Some people, so who do you get, who do you get used from? So it comes stretched out even further and further and people start to promote their clubs or start to give out 
in easier belts here and there. So that that can be a problem. I think that will come as well as I it grows. I think then that that is one of the arguments for competing. Yeah, because you've got to prove yourself. Yeah, you can see. You know, if you're wearing a belt, are you at the level that you should be yeah. at? You know, and I think I think as well as the are you technically competent enough to wear your belt is also, you know, I, I certainly I find for myself as a, a man getting older, it, it, it becomes more and more difficult to motivate yourself to do stuff that is easy to motivate yourself when you're younger. Mm. So going running when it's raining or, you know, whatever it is, you know, I mean, even, even thinking back to like, um, going on holidays with mates when you're younger and you're like, don't care where we're staying, we're staying out all night, you don't care if you're freezing cold and you've got to live on three pound a day because you didn't have enough money. Now, like, even the thought of that, you're like, no, I'm not going. Mm. I'm staying at home. Like, if I'm going somewhere, it's got to have a comfortable bed, I need to check the mattress first, you know, like, there's all these things that that, that become more difficult to to kind of challenge yourself with because... You, you want more comfort and, and generally you're able to create more comfort. I mean, like you, you're retired now from the fire brigade. Yeah, right? I've retired two and a half years now. So, so you can kind of fill your days with what you want. Uh, yeah, well, I've always run a business on the side. Also, my fire brigade career, I've run a business separate to the fire brigade. And that business was kind of like a part-time, almost full-time business. It was I created a bit of a, bit of a monster and I've still been I'm trying to phase it out and I'm trying to slowly wind it down now. What, what do you do? I was fitting log burners and stoves at people's houses. Oh. So heating systems, log burners, open up a fireplace, prep it all up, put the stove in, lay the hearth, put the stove in, reline the chimney. I could sign off for the building rigs. So, I'd, And that was, it got very, very busy. And especially last winter with the gas price thing going on and the media hyped up the whole, the world's going to win, the electric's going to turn off and da, 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 da. Everyone wanted a fireplace. And, uh, I was just swamped with phone calls. It was just ridiculous. And I didn't want it. Yeah. <clears throat> the way that I just didn't want it. I was just getting 15 calls a day, of which you know, eight would leave a message. And then, mate, you've got, you've got to go through them of an evening. Oh, God, I'm out all day working. I'm knackered. I'll get home. Or to go through like all these messages. I don't know these people. And they're, they're miles away. And just speculatively, oh, can you come and have a look? I'll send you a picture of this. I went, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I'm trying to go down to three days a week now. Um, I'm trying to keep it at that, just keep it limited. I'd like to try and phase it out because I've done enough climbing up on roofs and carrying chimney pots and lugging cement around. I just, I've done it. Yeah. So I want to try and phase out the hard work and do something else now. And, you know, if I was training, I would just do training. You know, I've got, I've got a pension now, so monetary-wise I can survive. Um, but you do need, I always need a little bit extra coming in. Mm. So, you know, I do little bits here and there. But... um. I do the training. Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of the thing though. With the with for me, I mean, I don't compete very much, but I'll try and do like one or two in a year. Um, it's just to to see, like, can I still go and do it, mm. or am I just going to be like, oh, you know what, I just, you know, like you say, am I, can I do put in those extra few training sessions, do a bit more cardio, put the intensity up a bit, develop a and a game plan, an idea, and emotionally sort of get invested or do I just say oh you know what I've 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 done that I've, I just I can't do it anymore and I kind of feel like for me I want to I want to try to keep doing it to see whether I can keep doing it 
it's just a sort of a, another challenge. You can, to say, and there also has to be, no, do I do think it? about it, there has to be a cutoff at some point. Well, at the age where you're training, you think, at some point, people have got to start getting me, they've got to start beating me. Uh, suddenly I'll be like the uh, nail, not the hammer. And I, you know, I'm taking, I'm on the receiving end of it all the time. It's occasionally you get beaten, but when it's when you know, it's all the people, it's like everyone's still on top of you all the time. You're just suffering. You're like, hang on a minute, like what's happened? It might be two years down the line, three or five years down. Suddenly, like, I just can't. That happens to me now. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like I can't. It's like, it's, it's like thinking, am I doing myself any good doing this? And my wife already says to me like, you're going to bloody judo again. You're going to, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. Like, no, I'm not. And I go, you know, I pulled my neck about three, four weeks ago quite badly. And uh, I put my collarbone out, did a judo, did a judo upgrading about two years ago. And that hurt like hell. That was like six months of just ache. And I popped my knee on the inside there. Little ligament went, that was about a year ago, just popped. It's healed up now, but it's uh, all the little things suddenly you just shrug them off. But suddenly it's like you get, you get something like that and it's like, oh Christ almighty, I've got, I've got to lay out for a week. Mm. I've got to lay out, I'm out for two weeks. It's just like aching me. They try and train through the pain. You think I should do that, really? You know, I should try to heal. And you want to do stuff, but you got to temper it and just say, no, don't do it. Just, just rest because you can come back again better. You're just, you're just kidding yourself. Try and get back there quick. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the thing as well with being older and training is, the, I mean, I was talking to again Rob about this when he was on, um, that he was saying, you know, you you at, at an older age. You're on a you're on a downslope, yeah, right? You're yeah. physically becoming less able every week, every month, every year. You're 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 dropping off. You're technically you might be great, and you know mentally might be great, but physically you you're losing a lot of attributes. And um, you know he was saying that he in his mind he tries to just hang with people as long as possible, as you're going down and they're coming up. You know there'll be a point at which you're at a similar level. Yeah, yeah. And he says, you know, I just try to keep with them as long as I can before they pass me. Then I just wait for the next person to drive up next to me and I try to match them as long as I can and then they pass me. And that's just part of getting older and, and keep training. I think you can't, you can't, or I, I think personally, you can't um, sort of measure your, your ability and your progress and, and what you're getting from it comparing to other people especially younger people because it, it it leads you nowhere you would never really do anything you no, just say exactly, what, yeah. there's always someone better than me i can't i can't but you have to accept it. as well but a lot of people don't <coughs> excuse me a lot of people don't accept that someone is better than them full stop yeah and they're trying constantly trying i've got, I've got, I've got a bit i've got to try and get him and i'll talk about some very good black belts it's a very good black belts of resistance and if I, I know they can tap me. If I make a little mistake, they're going to get me. But yeah, I know that. It's not a problem. But you train with them, and I, I make the slightest error, and they've got me. It's not that it doesn't bother me one, one jot. You know, it's actually quite good to get caught, and I've got to think of a way around that. But, you know, it's, they're going to get better, and I'm going to get slower. And it's going to get more and more frequent. It's accept that that's, that's what it is. Does it bother me? No. But if it's happening every fight... And I was like, I'm just not, ca- I'm not catching anybody. I'm just getting ragged around here. It's, it's always think, oh, I'm just getting too slow. At some point, I think mentally, there is a thing where you realise, ah, oh, it's getting too much, too hard. But you've got to know your level. Because I, I like to compete at a high level. I like to compete at this level. And I've always 
won a lot of things in the past. So my expectations are quite high when I'm training. So if, if I'm not achieving those expectations, it's kind of like you're looking yourself in the mirror a little bit. You think, oh, I used to be able to do that. <laughs> like, I, I used to be able to do that. Why can't I do it now? And you have to tap yourself on the shoulder and say, no, nah, don't be stupid. Right. You can't let's forget that. <laughs> let's try something different. You know, let's, let's look, you know. I think, I think that is the difficulty of being at a high level and being very proficient at, at doing something. I've, I've never been cursed with that. So I'm, 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 never, I'm never looking and saying oh, I used to be able to hang with everyone and now yeah. I can't. I've always been at that just kind of, you know, journeyman level of I just kind of turn up because I like training, I like pushing myself, I like trying to learn stuff and trying to do stuff. And I don't really, it doesn't really bother me the outcome. Well, differently, like you know when you've done stupid stuff or not, done what you should have done and then that's kind of annoying but if you've done everything you wanted to do you were trying to do you you've you've followed the, the patterns you wanted to follow whatever and you you get tapped so what yeah there's nothing the other person's yeah. better right bigger nothing. or heavier or stronger yeah, or smarter nothing. or faster i could go to some major club in london and fight with the top black belts if crucify me it'll be all over me i could do nothing about it i come off of there thinking well, there's nothing I could do about that. No matter how hard I trained, no matter I could put, train every hour of the week, go back and fight him, he was still the same to me. It's just that much better. Mm. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. But a lot of it as well is rooted in like the mental, your mental state as well, what you expect from a fight. Sometimes you can self-defeat yourself in your mind. So you might go out and face whoever that is very good. Mentally, before you even started, you're thinking, oh, but he's going to try and go on me. I bet he's going to do this. Oh, no, he's going to do that to me again. Don't do last week. No, he's going to do it again. Mentally, you've already talked yourself into a defeat yeah. before you've even touched him. And this is a weird thing. You could talk yourself out of a fight. If you had a different mental picture in your head of like a... And it's, I, I was thinking about it like as a, it's, it's, it's having a neutral thing in your head. You think nothing about your opponent. It's a total blank canvas. You'll go out there just see what happens in the fight and react. It's that muscle memory thing. You react to whatever happens and just go with it. And sit, you know, best man wins. I fought a guy, I went to British Open in judo, and it must have been about 1987, I think, 1988, something like that. And I went with a lot of guys from Chalk Hill. I've trained there for quite a bit, Chalk Hill in Neasden, near Wembley in London. It's a very good team down there. And we all went down to the British Open, which was based in Crystal Palace. It was a big international competition then. It's, it's nothing like it now. And I, I had a bye the first fight. I beat an English guy. I beat an Italian guy. And that got me out of the pool, so I was into the next rounds. And then, because you can't be near the coaches, they're held back. There's this stocky little French guy who was looking at me, and he goes, hey, you're on next, okay. He's really thick set, like weirdly thick set. He was like, well, this guy's got some physique on him, but he looks like, he wasn't tall, but he's just massively <laughs> solid. So I went out there and uh, I didn't know who he was. So I bow, off we go. He gripped me three seconds. I didn't even feel him move. He just picked me up and slammed me at the floor. But as I landed, I twisted on my front. So it was just a minor score. But the speed he moved down, I was like, oh, gee, I can't. And he thought he'd, he thought he'd wait. He walked away like, yeah, yeah, yeah. next please. But the only reason I was kind of spun out, the referee gave it a minor score. Let's carry on. He said, oh, okay, we're carrying on then. I soon realised, oh my God, uh, what am I fighting? So I realised, I'll, I can't stand in front of him. If I stand in front of him, he's going to obliterate me. It's a game of just gripping and moving. The most frantic five minutes I've had in my life. 
Frank, we were up and down on the ground, up and down. He was getting me to strangles. I was wriggling out of it. He was trying to pin me. I was wriggling out. With the five minutes, so he got the minor score and he, and he won. I come off of there. I was like, my God, that was a fight. Whew, who is this guy? And the coach that was in charge of talking, come right over. Do you know what that is? I said, no, he's it's a world silver medalist. He's got a Serge Dio from France. He's a world silver medalist. I, well, you just took him the five minutes. I was like, who oh, is he? If I'd known who he was, mentally, I would have shut down. Yeah. I would have shut down, he would have thrown me, bang on my ass, and that's the end of, I walked off the mat. But I didn't know, so I was like, I had a blank mind, and I just went for it, and good things happened. Well, I didn't win it, but it was like, for yeah. me, it was a bonus <laughs> doing the five minutes with him. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's your, it's, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but that's your Bruce Lee be like water, right? Just, yeah, you, you got, just exactly. kind of yeah. flow. There's, um, do you know, you know Jeff Thompson? I know the name, yeah. The watch my back, yeah. the doorman. He he tells a story which I, I I can't remember the details properly, but there was um there was like a famous catch wrestling match that was supposed to happen hundred years ago, whatever. When it was proper, you know, eye gouging and rough stuff, and I and I think it was a, one guy was a Scottish guy and one guy was in London, and one of them I can't remember who was like so feared you know no one wanted to fight him but this other guy was like the, the the second best guy and so they were i don't know where they were supposed to fight but the 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 guy got on the train i think i think it was the scottish guy was got on the train to come down to london to to fight this other guy and he got to sheffield and then he just bottled it and he got off the train and went back up and he sent the guy a letter saying look I'm sorry like i don't want to fight you you beat me in sheffield and that's kind of the, yeah, the, yeah. the the mentality, isn't it? Is that you kind of build all this stuff in your head of who you're against and what could happen and this, that and the other. And, and then you, you, you overthink you things. You yeah, overthink you it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You overthink it. You start looking at worst case scenarios. You start thinking about the embarrassment of being beaten. All that clouds you and shades your... Before you step on the mat, you've already talked yourself into a, accepting a defeat. Yeah. Like, how's, how's it going to happen? How, am I going to get beaten here? Yeah, because I think it's it's kind of like if you if you accept that you're gonna lose, you're kind of like, huh, I was right. Like that's one small victory, mm. right? Even though I got smashed, my prediction that I was gonna yeah, lose yeah. was correct. So you're kind of it's like your um, your ego is building you like an escape route. Oh, I knew I knew this guy was gonna beat me. Yeah. He beat me, and you don't you don't sort of have that emotional vulnerability of, no, I'm going to go and try and win. And like, if I lose, then it's going to hurt because I was giving it my all. But I mean, that is what competition is about, isn't it? It's just yeah. going for it. Yeah, we went to, uh, went to Germany to do a competition and uh, it's a team competition. We've got a coach out there. A lot of guys I didn't know. Someone had got a team together from various, all different weight groups and there's different sports. It's called the Bamberg Festival. It's a massive big thing out in Germany. And they put a British team together for this judo. Not the official British team, it's just a, a team of get-together. So we, we went out there and I was doing 78 kilos. There's other people, I had no idea they were. Got out there and uh, the setup was amazing out there. Professional setup, proper club. Like The judo club was amazing. Like fully matted, full-time. The proper team there. And they, they travel around Europe training stuff in their top-notch so we'll have a little training exercise the night before. I want to warm up and get to know everybody. It's, all friend, it's a friendly festival sort of thing. So our heavyweight was just sort of a... It looked like the old rugby sort of prop forward from the 70s. A bit overweight. Not, not the best athlete in the world. 
And he's probably about 18 stone, but he's, uh, yeah. So we're warming up and stuff, and uh, the German, is, his guy who's got a fight back, he turned up, the German guy turned up, it looked like Dolph Lundgren in Rocky. Enormous, enormous guy turned up. He's stretching stuff, and he's this, and he's rippling. <laughs> and there's no warm-up and stuff. I was looking at our heavyweight, thinking, oh, this is going to go well, isn't it? And mentally, he, he, he lost it. Anyway, he had pretended to have a little stumble on the edge of the mat. Oh, I think I've turned my knee. I thought he hopped off a time. He didn't want to do it. I look at him thinking, yeah, like, oh, come on. Just go out and fight him. Don't. No, I can't do it. Oh, no. Like, he wouldn't do it. Yeah. He mentally, he just lost the plot. He saw this guy. That's it. I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm going to get just monstered by this guy. It's going to hurt like hell. I can't put myself through it. And he had his little knee injury, and that was it. It was at the game. It was strange. But when I went to Japan training, what was nice going out there <coughs> is that there was no egos out there. They trained for the sake of training. They're not bothered to get thrown or beaten. And of course, we're doing like long three-hour sessions every morning. We're going out there. And, uh, and these were top-class guys. It was a full-time like, police academy. And all the, all the they get an amateur status thing. But a lot of the top Japanese fighters who are sponsored by a company, as in they're given a job in a, in a massive company. They never turn up for the offer. They train full-time. But you get the salary and you get the pension. So that's you set up. Or they join the police but you never put a uniform on. You basically get the, get the policeman's salary and the pensions, all the, all the rights and the benefits, but you just do judo. So that's how they, they fund their guys training full-time. So they'll come together in these dojos, they train. There's a full-time stable of guys training. And luckily my cousin moved out there years and years and years ago. He's from Canada. He married a Japanese girl. Her dad did judo. And my cousin speaks Japanese. So that was my introduction letter to go and turn up at this dojo. He made the arrangements. So I turned up. They didn't have foreigners there at all. I turned up and there's a a room for these guys, and they're all, they're all like proper athletes. I turned up, I've been introduced, my cousin introduced me, no one spoke English, not a word. My cousin introduced me, this is Graham, he's from England, he's, he's one of the little bits and bobs over here, and uh, uh, silence. <laughs> so we're training, and it was just a, a slaughter fest. And I was like, the, the white guys turned up, the guy Jean, the foreigners turned up, and they were going out the front, and the level was so high. It was just... Uh, Unbelievable. I fought Neil Adams at his prime in training, and he was amazingly good, amazingly good, standing and on the ground. He was just the best. That, you know, I've, I've trained with in the UK and Europe. Went out there, and everyone was a little mini Neil Adams. They just throw me all around. And it was long, tra- it was like eight-minute sessions. Ping time will go. You're at the front, next one comes out. And I literally be thrown like 10, 20 times, like perfect te- technique, flat on your back. And I was having trouble getting up. And I thought, oh, I've got to throw up. I can't do this. And the session finished and everyone sort of bows off and you walk off the mat. I went back to my cousin's place in Tokyo. Got the train system back there. I had a shower and I crawled. I had a roll-out futon on the floor. I rolled into that. Next morning I had to get up and go back because every day I couldn't get out of bed. I lay there. I was like, oh, everything, everything hurt. Everything was twisted, ripped, hurt, bent. I said, like, oh, I can't move. I couldn't even cough because the stomach muscles were hurting so much. You know, the chest was hurting. Everything was sore. I thought I'd do anything, like mate, I'd twist his knee. I'd, if I can arrange an accident for myself, like a great escape, can smash my leg on a, anything, just do it. <laughs> Not to go back there again. I thought I can't, go, oh, I can't do. It. I've got to go. So I got my kit together and shuffled me way out to the tube. Turned up again. Oh, he's turned up again. Another session, just getting beaten mercilessly. And then back again, third time. I wasn't allowed in there. A big communal bath. Afterwards, like a rugby style communal bath, everyone jumped in there. 
They have a shower and jump in the community. They're all laughing and joking. I wasn't allowed in. It was like, eh, eh, no. Okay, I'll swerve that. Second time, eh, 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 no, no, here's a shower. Out. Okay, I'm not part of the club. I'm not part of this, whatever. I went home. Third time, I turned up again. And third time I went, third time I went there, I turned up again. I could see I was like shuffling and like having trouble putting my shoes on. They're a bit like suddenly they're a bit more friendly. They're saying, you know, you're, you're actually trying, aren't you? You're coming back here again. You've taken a proper whipping and you're coming back. And so it's like, yeah, you can come in the bath now. They're going to look at the bath and they're joking because Japanese people don't like hairy arms and oh, quite hairy arms. They're pulling the hair on my arms, laughing at it like, is that real? What's this? And they're joking and suddenly the ice was broken. They were great. They're really friendly. You yeah, know, but it's that trial by fire. Isn't it? <coughs> yeah, they, they the certainly gauntlet. tested me for a couple of three days. I kept coming back again. I imagine having a wager. He won't be back. He won't be back. Throw him a bit harder. See what he does. Throw him harder. Throw him harder again. I think as well, it's, it's that kind of like cultural thing. It's like they, this is their heritage. Yeah. And you've got these kind of foreigners that are doing some diluted version of yeah, whatever they yeah. do. <coughs> I there. think there is a sense of that. And I know my cousin's wife, I went there twice. The first time I went out there, probably in 1990, I went out there. I trained the Kodakan, which is the main Japanese center out there. A lot of sort of visitors go there, and it was really good training, but it wasn't the same intensity as the second time I went, which was the full-time academy. And my cousin's wife was trying to ring round, where she was in Tokyo, trying to ring round that Yellow Pages, ring round judo clubs. Well, I've got a chap here from England, a foreigner, wants to come and train. No, we don't really do that. We No, we don't really do that. She said, none of them want you there. I said, oh, I thought it was the home of judo. I was like, can I not just turn up there? No, they won't let you in. They won't let you in. Oh, okay. So I ended up going to Kodokan, which was fine. The second time I got the introduction to the full-time dojo, and that was proper training then. And it was like, yeah, okay, I can see the... Uh... But the difference, it was just a league, many leagues above what we have here in the UK. I mean, I suppose the, the, the analogy probably is something like football, soccer in the UK against somewhere where it's not the, their national game. Yeah, yeah You know, yeah. here you've got the best coaches, the best facilities, you know, the footballers are put on a pedestal, you know, they get, they get everything they need. You've probably got other places around the world where it's kind of like you can play soccer, but it's not really, it's just a thing. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, judo it, it, over there is, is a big... Uh, over here is, <coughs> sorry, it's a bit of a, it's, it's a hobbyist thing, you know. So a lot of the guys train at my club, they just want a bit of fitness. They've done it in the past, they're slightly older, they want to turn up for their hour and a half, a bit of a pull around a sweat and a chat and a social... Fine, that's fantastic. Mm. That, that serves a purpose. If that's your, what you want, yeah, great, fantastic, you know. And I'm all for that. Yes. Um, so so um, two, two more questions that I wanted to ask you. One is just being 54 and having trained for 40 years, whatever. 43, 43 years. Yeah, yeah. What, what uh, kind of... Um, lessons have you learned what wisdom do you have any regrets that you've got in terms of training and being able to train for such a long time what, what advice have you got for people um <coughs> that's a that's a deep one isn't it it's basically you have to enjoy what you're doing if you don't enjoy your sport then it's not something for you and a lot when i did the <coughs> young men's bridge team i got a uh <coughs> sorry, i got a silver medal and uh, I beat the guy who was tipped to be the gold medalist. And he ended up getting a bronze. The guy, and I fought a guy in the final, just narrowly lost the final. So we had like gold and silver. And uh, we went to the uh, British team. Team training came to Crystal Palace. It was all paid for. We trained full-time for weekends. Then we started to have the stuff. It's other weekends at Wolverhampton. 
and I was sort of doing it full time, but I didn't enjoy it. You know, I didn't really enjoy it, and uh, and there's there's a lot of minor politics involved in it as well. Who's going to who's going to the comp? Who's doing this? A lot of that going in the background. I don't really know about. And I think no, I don't really enjoy this. And I trained at Chalk Hill. It was a very competition oriented team. We trained hard for like, two years with them. But I think I, I realised one day I was like, I don't really enjoy this. It wasn't fun. It was constant. So, so I've trained in a way that is fun, and you you and you like it. It gives you pleasure. And luckily, what I do and the way I run my club is fun, and we enjoy ourselves, and that's the main thing. Um, a lot of people take it too seriously, seriously as well. Some people get so seriously into it that they can't quite see, then they're becoming a bit of a ridiculous figure. <laughs> very, very many people in judo used to be ultra-Japanese about things. You must do this, you must wear this, you must do this. You're becoming a bit ridiculous. You know, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. And you can sort of see that. Um, I'm coming through the fire brigade, but I was at basic training and that. It was all sort of quasi-military type, shouting and screaming at you and marching around the yard and... I soon realised that shouting at someone in their face doesn't really <coughs> impart knowledge to someone. It's just a way of just breaking it down. So I was going to, people would run classes in judo, especially years ago. The coach would be shouting and ranting away at you. And it's just like water off me. Like, so, what are you shouting for? You're not a coach, are you? Just You're just someone who shouts. You've got to shout at a football match. Like, the, of all the effect you're having on the, the lesson, it's like sounding your own voice. You're just screaming and shouting. <coughs> you know, it's, you've got to actually enjoy what you're doing and be good at what you're doing and also from a coach's point of view you've actually got to be able to like coach and partner and make people happy that's the main thing you know it's make people happy make them feel good about themselves when they're doing it uh, and even if someone's no good at the sport if they're trying hard that's all i lost from you know if they're trying it and, and they're smiling enjoying it and they're just enjoying the exercise mm. they might be doing badminton they might be doing squash they might be doing whatever they want to do as long as they're enjoying it and they're getting something out of it, then yeah, it's pleasurable for me to see them doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, that's one of the um, one of the, the 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 little kind of pieces of of, of advice um, that I I had heard and I and I always remember in terms of choosing like a medic, a doctor, or a dentist or whatever. If you feel better when you left than when you went in, go see them again. Mm, yeah. If you feel worse, go see a different one. I well, guess there's a similar kind of philosophy with the with the, with your teaching, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is personality based as well, as in the coach. It may not be that he has the coach may not have the greatest knowledge, as in the widest range of knowledge in the world. But if his personality makes the gym a nice place, then that's really the, that. That's the thing. It's the feel of a feel of a gym, mm. and that's something that you can't bottle. You can't <laughs> explain that. But you can walk in somewhere and it just feels like a nice vibe. Yeah, it just feels a good place to be. Everyone's quite happy and they're smiling. That's when, that's what you want. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely um, this kind of flow of energy, and you do. There are there are gyms that you can walk into, even when they're empty, and it's like you can almost hear people getting thrown and mm. hear people laughing and hear people training. You know, it's kind of it's it's weird to to. Uh, to try to explain if you haven't experienced it, but it's definitely a real thing. There's a there's an energy to a to a place. I mean, it's a similar thing like when people go to concerts or festivals or whatever. I mean, that's why people like going because you're with this the kind of energy yeah, yeah, of, of everybody yeah. else. Yeah. It's it's incredibly um, powerful, 
and incredibly beneficial and, and important for us as as humans. I mean, this is something again we, we talk about a lot on the podcast is the kind of community aspect of jujitsu judo, um, as well as the the physical exchange of energy, mm. because literally, you know, energy is in this constant state of flow and constant movement. And it's, you know, what I think of as me is not actually me. And the couch is not actually the couch. And, you know, the floor is not actually the floor. It's just the energy is moving and it happens to take that state at that moment. But that that sort of flow of energy that you are facilitating with other people, you know, because judo is the same as jiu-jitsu, right? You can't do it on your own. No, you've got, you've got, got someone else or other people let's do it. But it's almost like if you walk into a pub and sometimes you can walk into a busy pub and it feels lovely. Yeah. It's a lovely vibe. It's a nice atmosphere. It feels good. It feels cosy, welcoming. You know, you know listen, oh God, I've a drink in here. This is nice. I'll put, let's hang out. It's nice. You can walk into the pub down the road and suddenly it's like, uh-oh. Oh, yeah. oh like, Don't finish the drink. <laughs> so funny enough, I mean, talking about that sort of atmosphere, that thing, I went up to, I was born up in Scotland um, in Inverness and my nan actually moved down to a place called Kirkcaldy in Fife, which is just above Edinburgh. So I went up with my dad to visit her. They had a little spare flat down the bottom there for visitors. We went to visit her one day, and I had a cousin, what's her cousin, years and years and years years. I wouldn't even recognise her. By the way, apparently she worked at a local bar down the town. I said, okay. I am not going to say hello. Nothing else to do. I was sitting there like this little flat with nothing. So I walked down the town, so the name of the pubs, whatever it was. So I wandered down there. And it was a proper old Victorian boozer. And it had the old private bar, saloon bar, like the old fashioned ones. It was all men. <laughs> so I walked in there somewhere. And straight away, that feel of like, this is a bit like heavy. That, the vibe, that atmosphere, the energy in the room was, yeah, a bit, I can feel it's a little bit heavy in here. So, oh, so I went up the bar, I sort of a pint or whatever it was. So is so and so working tonight, <laughs> my cousin? No, she's not working tonight. Okay. Oh, I'll have a pint and I'll go. So I was trying to be a pint. I've got a toilet. I'm at the toilet. A couple of young lads coming behind me. And they push me like this. And I'm on my back. Oh, they say, are you English so-and-so? We you doing? Yeah, quite aggressive. I'm looking at them. Mm. All right, boys. I just casually just finished washing my hands. Ignored them. Just blank them. Like, don't give them what they want. So what's that? There's a long way to get to the door. They walk past me. And they, it's a long way to get the door from here. I was thinking, uh, it's one of those moments you think, if I show weakness, they're going to be on me. So I'll finish my pint. Casually, I'm going to finish my pint. I'm not going to rush it. I'll finish my pint there. So. Then big guys come up behind me. They're behind me. Oi, oi, what are you doing in our pub? Why are you in? Why? Uh, they point jabbing fingers and I'm right in my face. And I was like, oh, calm down, guys, calm down. I look at, I, it, but the thing, that, that brain keeps working. So I thought, I'm not going to get that door over there, it's too far. The biggest one, I was thinking, I can hit him hard, it'll go down. But still too many of them. It's a problem. There's two like fruit machines with a gap between them. And I'm thinking, I'm going to hit him, I can get between the fruit machines, I can keep my way. So I've got three sides protected. I think there's a fire exit over there. Can I get to that? You know, all the time, your brain's whirring, looking for the best option out of this. And I said, I'm actually up here to meet my cousin. Right? He's uh, not working tonight, though. Your cousin? Your cousin so-and-so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she mentioned you had a you know, she had a cousin from England. So I'm actually from Inverness. I'm more, born further north than you. So I think they're my best mates, buy me drinks. 
totally diffused the whole situation. But the first instinct I had walking in there was like, yeah, first instinct I had walking in there was, oh, this is heavy. This yeah. is, yeah, too much testosterone in this pub. Yeah, You could feel it as you walked in. I was right, as it turns out. But yeah, the best mate after that, buying me drinks and it's funny, embarrassing. Did you go back in there again? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bid me farewells. A god, like some tourist has gone in there. Like, I'm sure it's, and that was years and years ago. Uh, you know, it can't be like that anymore. It really can't be, but... The ye, ye old dead Englishman, it's called, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, something like that, something like that. But those places actually exist. It was, uh, yeah, it's bizarre, that mentality. But that's why that, that, the main thing is that energy as you walked yeah. in was, it was there, it's palpable. You could feel yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, my last question will we'll maybe diffuses the, the, the intensity a little bit. You can have 10 million pounds right now, but you're being chased by a snail. If the right. snail touches you, you die a horrible death. The snail cannot be stopped. The snail cannot be killed. The snail cannot be trapped. Mm. Would you take the money? No. Awesome. That was my last question. Yeah. No, it'd be forever, forever been traced. You're never free. That's what I think. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've asked What, what do I do people, with 10 million pounds? Well, well, yeah. I don't need 10 million pounds. No. Well, they, so I've, I've, I've asked a few people. Most people have said yes. And in, and in my mind, I'm thinking I, I probably wouldn't because it's that sort of thing hanging over your head. Um, but yeah, that was, that was my last question. No, I could see, yeah, I could see the uh, dollar. People here, 10 million pounds. And straight away, I'll have that. Without the consequence of, you can never rest. You can never, you're always going to have something to worry about. Yes. And the worry thing is, you know, you can never be calm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting, yeah. But, no, I won't take the money. Awesome. So, um, Welling Garden City Judo. Yeah, well, WGC Judo. WGC Judo. Is there a website? There's a website. We just remade the website. It should be live now. Or Instagram, WGC Judo BJJ. And we've got a Facebook page as well with the same name. So people jump on there and have a little look. And yeah, so I'll, li I'll link to those on the show notes. And and what days are you there? Tuesday nights, 7.30 till 9. Tuesday nights, 7.30 till 9. And and you've got quite a high-level guys in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, it's good, yeah, yeah. So if people need to come in and, and brush up on their stand-up for their jiu-jitsu. Just, just pile in. Just drop me a message and pile in. It's no problem at all. We have loads of guys turn up. You know, there's no, no drama whatsoever. And you're fitting straight away. You know, the guys, I'll make sure the BJJ guys fit in straight away so it's no, it's no worries at all. And where else are you training jiu-jitsu? Just at resistance. I try and do the Wednesday and the Saturday morning open mats. So if you want to get, if you want to get one arm just smashed up and sat on by Graham, Wednesdays and Saturdays. And I think Wednesdays and Saturdays at resistance is kind of open. You can just pay a drop-in fee. It's the open mat, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you don't need to be a member. So Wednesdays and Saturdays at resistance for jiu-jitsu and Tuesday nights at WGC judo. That's it, yeah, exactly. For judo. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for coming down. My pleasure. I really appreciate uh, you giving your time and uh, talking to me. No, thanks for listening to my ramblings. Yeah, it was, was awesome. Um and thank you guys for listening. I know everybody's time is precious. So if you uh, sat all the way through an hour and 40 minutes with us, thank you for, for sharing your time. Um, I hope you found it enjoyable. Definitely go and uh, reach out to, uh, to Graham and, uh, and uh, you need to experience the, the horrendous 
pressure. It's actually one one thing I, I, I can mention very quickly. Mike Hawkins, who runs um, the Ibis Jiu-Jitsu program at Resistance, I can't remember exactly what he was teaching. He was teaching something a, a, a good while back, and he said, um, like, if you if you have this position and you break the guy's posture by pulling his head down, there's no way he can stand up unless it's Graham. <laughs> and then I think Jack was there and Jack said, yeah, you did this to Graham the other day. And he said, yeah, he just picked me up with his head. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you want to yeah. experience the, uh, the Graham um, intensity, Tuesdays at, at WGC Judo and Wednesdays and Saturdays at Resistance. Um, follow the podcast at White Basement Pod on Instagram is the best place. Um, try and share stuff on Facebook. New episode every Tuesday. Uh, please share these episodes if you enjoy them. Um, give us some feedback and um, share them with your other buddies. Um, hope you enjoy them and uh, we'll catch you next time. If you don't deserve my love, you won't get it, no credit. me over once and regret it, yeah, I've said it. Feelings and emotions, I can shed it, re-edit. I'm running from my past, yeah, and they get through the 